0: funeral
1: audio.
0: Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your What's up everybody, thanks for coming to the mens live
1: for Put your
2: hands together, put your hands together. Please run through someone's a place to put your
1: hands together to your special guest host, Put your hands together. Keep ready to color your hands together.
3: Thank you. Thank you, UCB Theater. Thanks for coming out to put your hands together. Give yourselves a hand for coming out there. Come here. Uh, I'm i your replacement host. You can see I came in the wrong door. I walked into a chair. This is thrilling for the podcast audience right now. A little bit of behind-the-scenes action for you guys. Um, I'm your replacement host. My name is Sean Keen. I have not always been a stand-up comedian, though. I, uh... Used to be a swim coach. Yeah, that was my first job. You guys are thinking, definitely, this is an athlete. (laughs) Or a trainer of athletes in front of you. I used to coach a team called the Forest Hills Beavers. And our slogan for this team was, I've got beaver fever. Yes. Great for a children's swim team. Uh, That was our cheer before every meet. That was on a big banner outside the pool. And uh, more importantly, that was printed on the t-shirt that I had to wear every single day of the summer. Every single day. (laughs) of the summer. Uh, Anyone here work with children? Oh, because if you do, you know it is an amazing, wonderful, rewarding experience. And the moment, the moment that you're done working with children, you want to start drinking immediately. That's how it works. So that would happen. Sometimes practice would end. Coach Sean would decide to go to a bar, forget he was wearing an I've Got Beaver Fever T-shirt. That was not a popular look at the bar because this was just a shirt that one of the team moms had made at her house. So to the casual observer, it looked like a shirt that I had made <laughs> at my house because I was so overcome with Beaver Fever that I had bought T-shirts and silkscreening equipment just to get the message out and... I get really embarrassed when people would point it out. They point it out and look at it and go, oh, sorry. Uh, you don't understand. Uh, I work with children. That's what this means. What a fever, fever. For the kids. It was great. Put your hands together. Live show turns into a podcast the way comedy was meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> Stuck in traffic on the 10 highway, hating your life, enjoying the cultural references. Here in Los Angeles now, uh, Cameron and Ria are shooting an amazing television show right now, but they'll be back soon. So I'm going to be taking you through a lot of this. this is a lot of business up top, right? <laughs> Tell you a little bit more about myself. I uh, I I'm from the Bay Area. I recently flew home, and at the Burbank Airport, I was selected for extra TSA screening because I had a suspiciously sweaty back. Yes, it showed up glowing red like hazardous material on the body scan and the TSA agent who was training future TSA agents said yeah well we probably all know what this is but you can never be too careful I'm just standing there ashamed sweating more trying to give explanations. like I parked kind of far away I really need to do this and I'm just standing there he lectures them about sweat and I said already right, you going to pat me down and he goes no way bro I don't touch back sweat and then he went there on you go so it so was a wake up call I'm doing well in Hollywood right now. That's what that means. I did start taking yoga classes, though, because I live in Echo Park, and it's the law. It is the law. You <laughs> have to take yoga classes. Yoga's great. It helps with your flexibility. Helps white people to misunderstand Eastern religions. That's very important. <laughs> now the Beastie Boys aren't making albums anymore. We need that white person's perspective on the Orient. First of all, I went to a yoga class. It took me about five minutes before my entire body was covered in sweat, or as they say in yoga class, toxins. It was I Covered in toxins. It was healthy that I was sweating all over everybody. And I turned to my friend who brought me there, and I said, I don't think we should have started with a hot yoga class. She said, this isn't a hot yoga class, Sean. The windows are open. There are fans. And I realized I was in trouble at yoga class. I don't like that you can't have a real level of excellence at yoga class. They always make it more difficult. Like, they'll tell you something like, they give you modifications to make it harder. Like, get in warrior pose. And then put your left elbow behind your right knee and breathe in and out through your pelvis. Or, for a modification, sit quietly and think of all the bad choices you made. (laughs) that led you to this moment, just sitting in a pile of sweat. In fact, try downward-facing janitor. Just mop up the puddle of sweat in front of you. Also, if you take yoga class, you can't just rest in between exercises. There's none of that. No. You know what the heavy do? Anybody? Anybody? Child's pose. That's right, child's pose. You get down on your hands and knees, and you curl up, and you go, I'm not really good at yoga. It's demeaning. It's very demeaning. Also, when was the last time you saw a child pose like that? That's not a happy... Carefree child. That's a child like curling up and shielding themselves from an abusive stepfather. That's abused child's pose. They're opening up the neglect chakra right there. <laughs> the only connection with the East is that that's like a kid in Indonesia who didn't sew the Nikes fast enough. And they're like, Namaste, stay down! <laughs> that's a good time. I really recommend taking yoga classes. Speaking of injuries, my grandma, uh, fell, hurt her hip on Super Bowl Sunday. I got a text from my mom hour before game time that said, Sean, I don't want to ruin the game for you. But Grandma fell down, and we think she broke her hip. We're going to take her to the hospital. And I texted my mom back. I'm like, let me know. Let me know how Grandma is. And my mom didn't respond for five hours. And I kept texting like, how's Grandma? Is she okay? Like, are we going to have to put her down? I don't know what you do with a Grandma with a broken hip. You're like, ah, she had a good run, but it'll never heal on its own. So we just put her down and when my mom finally responded she said did you see my boy bruno mars at the halftime show and then she sent me three texts about his outfit and then said that uh grandma had just strained her groin so she was fine i've never been so relieved to have the words grandma and groin in the same sentence as each other normally that's trouble it's a relief uh, one thing that happened though, I went to visit my grandma and my mom had told her that I had begun taking antidepressants. That's something that, you know, kind of happens when you move to Los Angeles and chase your dream. You know, that's a big thing. I learned the real reason people make their beds is so they don't immediately crawl back into them 10 minutes after taking a shower and really, really thinking about choices they've made in their lives. So my, grandma, my mom told grandma that I was on antidepressants. You know who's not sympathetic about clinical depression? Someone who lived during the actual depression. They do not really care. They're like, oh, you having trouble getting out of bed? What happened? You run out of kerosene? Freezing all night? Your little brother coughing himself to death with whooping cough in the corner? Was that what's happening? Oh, no, you're just worried about your career telling shitty personal stories to strangers. That does have to be tough. (laughs) Oh, you're worried about your body? I got a recommendation for you. Here, just take an old moldy potato and uh, cook it in some ashes and then split it with your four brothers and sisters. So wait, three brothers and sisters. So... Grandma's doing great. She's angry and mean, and she outlived my nice grandma by 30 full years. It was great. It's that Depression era. All right. uh, One nice thing about living in L.A. is uh, you get to see a lot of uh, of movies. You get a lot of movie screeners from your friends who are more successful and in a union. And like, ah, a DVD with a lot of watermarks that you can't pause or fast forward. That's how you want to enjoy it. I saw the movie The Revenant a couple weeks ago, and that's not how you want to watch The Revenant. You need to see The Revenant on the big screen wearing a fedora and vaping. That's how you gotta enjoy that. (laughs) They made a real big deal about it because uh, Leonardo DiCaprio apparently learned two Native American languages, which I'm sure he uses a lot in his casual conversations. You know, like up in an MMA fight luxury box talking to David Blaine and Tobey Maguire and Algonquin. I'm sure that happens a lot. <laughs> well, they also said that he ate like an elk liver and he's vegan and he climbed into a horse carcass but he loves animals. I'm like, well, is this really even in the top 100 disgusting things that Leonardo DiCaprio has put in his mouth in his lifetime? He dated Trishel from real-world Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that big a deal that he's not a vegan. He didn't have to put his penis in the horse carcass. You know what I mean? He was fully clothed. You guys did not go along with that part of the joke, and I respect that. I was, I was reality show shaming, and that's not okay in 2016. I am excited uh, about everything I liked when I was eight years old being force-fed to me for the rest of my life. Just remakes of, like, hey, you liked Batman? Well, (laughs) guess what? We're going to kill that guy's parrots every five years. We're just going to shoot him down in an alley, watch him bleed to death. Ah, it's going to be great. Kind of, uh... I always think those movies are a little unrealistic. The main thing being that, um... Clark Kent, Superman, has a job at a newspaper in 2016. No, that's unrealistic. Like, I'm okay with the space lasers and the kryptonite, but like a job in journalism? Come on, man. It also seems messed up that he goes from a dying planet directly into a dying industry. Like, oh, that's so messed up. He's lost so much, and all his co-workers will also go away. But it just seems like that's messed up in 2016, because someone's got to call for Superman's help. They're like, oh, these orphans, they're on a bus, and the bridge is going to collapse. You've got to save them. Clark Kent, call your friend Superman. He'll be like, yes, I just have to figure out this list of the 29 things that only kids who grew up in Metropolis in the 90s know, and I have to figure out this slideshow. Of cats that look like Lex Luthor. And then all the orphans die just because of page views. And that's, that's tough. All right, that's how I'm ending. <laughs> orphans dying because of page views. But you guys, you have a great lineup of comics tonight. Are you guys excited about the show? I like it. We got people with beards, we got people clapping, we got people a little. Maybe not, not coming on board all the way to host Sean Keen. But you know what? It's going to be a great show. And yeah, you have a great performer coming up right now. Uh, he is originally from, from New York City, lives in L.A. now. He's a writer for The Late Show with James Gordon. Please make it loud for Jared Logan.
4: Hi. Give it up for Sean Keen. Okay. Hi, guys. Well, where to start? Um, I have been trying to be healthier, um, and so I started eating vegan for a little bit. Uh, I've been eating no salt, no sugar, no fat. Has anybody here uh, ever eaten that way? Okay, so if you've eaten that way, is it normal for me to be seeing wolves out of the corner of my vision? I'm seeing ghost wolves. Is that a normal thing? Oh, it's normal. Okay, good. I've been eating nothing but carrots. That's the worst food, right? Is it not? What is the flavor of carrots? Hard? Is that the flavor? (laughs) I feel like the idea behind carrots is like, hey, what if shapes were flavors? What's your favorite flavor? Cylinder? Here's a carrot. Every time I eat a carrot, I feel like I'm eating the abstract concept of solidity. I'm just like, mmm, this object's molecules are packed tightly together. This isn't a liquid or a gas. To me, carrots probably didn't make sense until they invented ranch. Do you know what I mean? And then people were like, oh, I get it. You can eat the spoon. Ah. I had an experience recently. Have you ever had a, a waiter kind of passive-aggressively remark on what you're getting? Almost like accidentally. I was in a restaurant, and for some reason, I don't know why, I ordered the calamari salad, and the waiter was like, Oh, and then like had to like look at the menu to be like, oh, I guess we do have that. Okay. And then later when he brought it to me, he was just like a little passive aggressive about it, but he wasn't trying to be. He was just like, how's that calamari salad doing? That's how he asked it. It was fine. It was calamari on top of salad. It worked out. I came here recently from New York. It's a, it's a real nasty place. I like it much better here. New York covered in rats. That's true. I'm not what place do you go to that's just filled with rats? Dracula's castle? The only other example I can think of. Like New York, okay, when I lived in the South, I used to live in the South. And sometimes in the morning I'd be going to work and I'm not shitting you, a bunny rabbit would hop across the street. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, my day had a bunny in it. And when I'd be going to work in the morning in New York, just legions of rats would be crossing. There were so many rats in New York. Sometimes at a restaurant, I would order food and the waiter would bring my food and then I'd have to go, oh, I'm sorry, waiter, this is rats, and he'd be like, oh, you're right, and then he'd bring me food.
1: There were so many rats
4: in New York, sometimes I'd turn my air conditioning on and then just rats would come out and I'd be like, nah, I had it set to rats. And then I would change it to air. The South wasn't, you know, perfect either. I didn't want to stay there. There's there's good things about the South. And then there's bad things. Uh, one thing is they're too polite all the time in the South. Like, they'll be polite to stuff. Like, I was walking in South Carolina, and I was walking with some Southern friends, and this big cockroach ran across the sidewalk, and I was like, ugh. And then my one Southern friend was like, oh, that's just a little old palmetto bug. no it's not what are you talking about palmetto bug you can't make something better by changing the name if I see a rat you can't be like oh that's just a garbage mouse (laughs) don't go down that alleyway there's a lot of wallet
1: borrowers
4: (laughs) people think the south is racist and it is but what people don't know sometimes is that the people down there are just, aren't even very good at being racist anymore, a lot of them. like I knew like a lot of old ladies who were basically racist, but not very good at it. Like If you were hanging out with some of these old ladies, they'd be like, I hate the Jews! And then you'd be like, well, I'm a Jew. And they'd be like, oh, well, I like you. <laughs> Do you want some pie? I, have, I can't stick with my principles. Um <laughs> What else did I want to tell you tonight? Oh, this is something. So I feel like sometimes there's a stigma on Southern people. I I, I was on uh, Twitter looking at Katy Perry's Twitter feed, which I look at every day. <laughs> and she was about to do an appearance on TV singing with Dolly Parton. And Katy Perry typed into her Twitter feed, she typed, getting my boots blarjangled so I can sing with Dolly on the TV tamari. That's how she typed it. And I just wanted to be like, does Katy Perry know that being Southern isn't a developmental disability? <laughs> We're lucky she wasn't singing with Jay-Z. Who knows how many N-bombs she would have dropped. And I wondered, is Dolly Parton, like, composing a tweet right now, like, about to get a tan and lose my faith in God so I can sing with Katy Perry on the TV tomorrow? (laughs) I don't like Katy Perry. I I know it's sad for a grown man to hate a little girl, but I don't like Katy Perry. I... uh, Here's my issue with Katy Perry, okay? Her marketing is like the same as like Las Vegas. Do you know what I mean? Like what's the idea behind her marketing? Like it seems like it's like, it's for kids! Wanna fuck? Like what, ooh. (laughs) Ah, why is that the same thing? No, 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 no. Two different things, I think. (laughs) Life is a series of humiliations. I'll tell you about a couple of mine real quick. Uh, When I lived in New York, I used to live, uh, well, I worked across, sorry, I worked across the street from an Einstein Brothers Bagels. Yeah. Yeah, very delicious place. And they had a sandwich there called a Spicy Elmo. And what a Spicy Elmo was, was eggs, bagel, cheese, and then Chipotle mayonnaise. And what I decided to do with my life was to eat one of those every day. Every day that I lived. Every single day that I lived, I decided to eat one. For for a long time. Okay? Now, I kept eating them, and I ate a spicy Elmo every day until the day the woman that worked at the Einstein Brothers started to call me Spicy Elmo. Hey, spicy Elmo! What a it be spicy elmo? I bet I know. It's a spicy elmo, right? Have you ever been called by the worst thing about you? Have you? Hey bedwetter! How's it going? Treats the elderly poorly. That was it was tough. It hurt. One more, one more humiliating story, and I'll go. When I when I started visiting LA, I was lucky enough to have one of these casting meetings that literally everybody who has ever acted gets where you go and you meet casting people. So I went to NBC casting, and I thought, okay, the thing I'll talk about is my dad's favorite NBC show, Grimm. My dad loves Grimm. Do you know what Grimm is? It's where there's, like, a guy, and he hunts Supernatural. Like, he fights Stiltskin with the help of the Big Bad Wolf. It is a stupid show. <laughs> my dad really loves it. So I was like, this is my in to talk to these people. So I was like, oh, my dad loves Grim And the lady at NBC casting goes, oh, that's cool. You know, I could see you as some sort of cow creature on Grimm. <laughs> I looked it up. That's not a thing on Grimm. She had to invent a thing to hurt me with. Also, can you imagine my father watching Grim and I'm on there like, nah, nah.
1: and
4: he's like, my boy finally made it. <laughs> Have a good night and enjoy your show. Bye-bye.
3: Jared Logan, everybody. He is a firework. He, baby, he is a firework. Uh, you can check him out. He's got a new podcast called The Secret Masters Podcast. You guys clearly love podcasts as you're at the live recording of one. But you're going to listen to it again because of just how much fun you guys had tonight. Right? Yeah? Alright, okay. There we go. Uh, alright. You guys ready? For next performer? Looking good. I don't know why I'm like challenging you on an individual level. Like, you better be ready. I don't know. We sold you the whole seat, but you're only gonna need the edge for this one. That's it doesn't sound that exciting when you say it in a normal voice, but at a monster truck rally, it's very exciting. Alright, uh, your next comedian, he's visiting us from New York. You've seen him on MTV. Please make it loud for Matt Ruby. <laughs>
5: Thank you guys. Hello. Uh, Did you guys know that every time a woman posts a photo of her engagement ring on Facebook, a feminist loses her wings? (laughs) Just found that out today. I am fascinated with Facebook and gender stuff that happens on there. Uh, I'll give you another example. I find that uh, women are much more supportive of each other than men on Facebook. I feel like every girl can post any profile photo and it instantly gets 300 likes from all her supportive female friends. Just being like, OMG, you look gorgeous. You are beautiful. I literally can't even. Dying. Like, that is not my Facebook experience. I could post a photo of LeBron James and the Loch Ness Monster finding that missing Malaysian airplane. Gets one comment from my uncle asking me to call him. (laughs) Then I'm flagged as inappropriate. (laughs) It's my Facebook experience. But I think that's probably fine, because I'm bad at taking compliments anyway. I don't know if it's a Jewish thing or what, but anytime someone tells me they like a piece of clothing I'm wearing, I feel the need to tell them how little I spent on it. (laughs) I don't know why I do that. People are like, I like that sweater. I'll be like, oh yeah, there's a hole in it. I got the Salvation Army. Only 10 bucks. What a steal. (laughs) It's weird, because I don't do that with other stuff in my life. It's not like people are like, hey, your girlfriend's really cool. And I'm like, oh, yeah, low self-esteem. I got her at
1: AA.
5: (laughs) Daddy issue. She's a cutter. What a bargain, huh? (laughs) Wouldn't do that. Come on. I'm fascinated by this election. What's interesting to me is that the people in red states seem to be the ones most afraid of terrorism. It's amazing to me. Because we're the ones who are going to get hit. But the red state people, they're the ones who are like, we ain't letting any Syrian refugees into Iowa. We are gonna let any Muslims into Kansas. It's like, yeah, they're not trying to go there. <laughs> no one's trying to blow up your corn maze. You <laughs> <laughs> no? it's not like ISIS to sit around and be like, well, we could blow up the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Or there's a Piggly Wiggly an hour outside of Tulsa. <laughs> it is extremely vulnerable. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. I, uh, I like weed, although I feel like I liked it better when I was buying weed and there was just one kind of weed, like weed weed, you know, i would be like, what flavor of weed you got? I don't know, weed, weed flavor, because now when I, I go to my dealer in New York and like, I, I feel like I'm taking the SAT every time I go there. He's like, well, this is like an indica, sativa, hydroponic blend, you know, it's kind of hybrid, it's got a mellow afterglow and a soft burn. I'm like, yeah, I didn't understand a single word you just said. How does it pair with making a murderer, all right? That's, that's really what I want to know, because that's how I'm going to be using it. And uh, 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 While we're on the subject, uh, we're not supposed to use the word retarded. I get that. Don't use the word retarded. But I'm watching Making a Murderer. <laughs> and this 10th grade kid confesses to a murder, doesn't know what he's doing, like clearly he is, but like no one can call him that. And it makes me think that maybe we're thinking about that word wrong. Like it should be okay to use that word if you're saving that person's life, (laughs) you know? Because his lawyer is trying to save his life yet doesn't use that word. He's like, yeah, your honor, you shouldn't believe that confession, he's um, developmentally challenged, reads below his grade level. I'm like, come on, we all know what you want to say. I want his lawyer to be like some dude named Sully from Boston in 1975. Just walks into the courtroom. He's like, Your Honor, come on. He's wicked retarded. Don't buy that confession. He's a retard, Your honor. You know, if someone's defending me and I'm pleading insanity, I don't want them to be like, he's a little bit unstable. I want them to be like, yeah, he's batshit crazy. Come on. It's fine to use a slur if you're saving that person's life. Like if I'm drowning and someone's like, hey, throw that Jew face a life jacket. I'll be like, yeah, throw it on my horns. Let's get into it. We'll discuss it later. All right. There's no time to be PC, please. Oh, boy. But yeah, I am, I'm a Jewish guy. People, uh, what do people say? We're obsessed with money, right? I don't know. I don't think we always think that through. Maybe Jews are kind of interested in money because we can't really go to jail because there are no Jewish prison gangs. Right? There's one prison gang for white people, and they are not especially (laughs) Jew-friendly. You know? As a Jew, your main goal in life is to avoid the phrase I'm not worried about it. The Aryan Brotherhood's got my back. (laughs) You know? I mean, you go to jail, it's not like they're like, oh, these are the Bloods and the Crips and these are the Levines and the Coens.
1: <laughs>
5: it's not how it goes down. Well, it would be funny if there was a Jewish prison gang, just the most passive-aggressive gang in jail. <laughs> like, You're know, like, well, I prefer you don't stab me, but apparently your feelings are more important than mine. Ah... <laughs> uh... But yeah, I don't know, we we talking about weed a little bit before. I think weed and like psychedelics are here on the planet to help you cope with stuff. I'm more scared of you know pharmaceutical company drugs. I think that's the dangerous stuff. I think we call our medicine drugs and we call our drugs medicine. You know, and I say that to people and they're like, oh yeah, pharmaceutical companies are so bad, how come I don't hear about it on the news? I hear about it on the news? Who do you think pays for the news? You know, pharmaceutical companies pay for all the news. That's so weird to me. That's like being like, oh, you have sexual assault, such an issue? How come I don't read about it in my fraternity's newsletter? <laughs> yeah. The Kaidel Weekly says she was asking for it, so... It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, I like doing jokes about religion and drugs. It gets weird sometimes, though. After a show recently, this guy came up to me. He's like, you know, you need to find God and stop doing drugs. I'm like, all right, you're so religious. Have you even tried drugs? He's like, no. I'm like, how do you know you don't like them? He's like, I don't need to try drugs to know that I don't like them. He's like, all right, well, now you know how I feel about religion. <laughs> He's like, well, have you read the good book? I'm like, I don't know. Have you tried the good weed? <laughs> they're doing miracles with edibles right now. <laughs> He's like, Jesus turned water to wine. I'm like, Jesus turned THC to gummy bears. What's your point here, all right? <laughs> miracles left and right. But trying to, trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, you know. Not be that guy. Give an example. I know this guy. He's like, how come women are demanding equal pay at work, yet they still want guys to pay for drinks when we take them out? How's that fair? And I read Jezebel, so now I know. All right? Because I've been paying attention. But ladies, you got to come out and tell us. Dudes don't know. You're going to be like, oh, you want me to pay for half a dinner? I'm going to tell you what I spent in the past year on my vagina. All right? Yeah, let's go down this list, shall we? Because it's $1,200 on birth control, $80 on tampons, $30 on mite, all-choices on cranberry juice, that UTI I had. $150 on a gynecological exam. $300 on bikini waxes because you like it when I look like a 12-year-old, which is weird. $60 on the morning after pill because you said you were going to pull out. And $80 on a vibrator because you can't find the G-spot. Yeah, so we'll go Dutch on dinner when you go Dutch on my vagina, all right? Let's be honest, this thing's a goddamn money pit. The joke was very pro-woman, but you guys tightened up. That is interesting. All right, guys, I'm Matt Ruby. Have a fun time tonight. Thank you.
3: Well, we're talking Matt Ruby, everybody. I feel like a lot of people on the show tonight have been saying some things that seem like they're sexual euphemisms but aren't. You know, like, oh, yeah, you yeah, went Dutch on her vagina. It was crazy. It was like a wooden shoe, he built a dike. Uh, and the salty Elmo, obviously. And that's, we all saw that documentary. That guy had some issues behind the scenes at the Children's Television Workshop. That's right. How many of you guys have been to Put Your Hands Together Live before? Make some noise. A few of you in the back. Do you feel weird that only one side of the stage is seated right now? People on the left here. Is that uncomfortable or is it like you, you, you knocked them out in some kind of like battle royale UCB audience game we're just like yeah we're
2: hanging in there
3: two sides of the stage enter one side leaves I don't know it probably was just ushers though right you didn't really have any deep opinions on me. you were like oh we kind of wish Cameron was here tonight no no you guys uh, no but it's a good group I think I see a lot of plaid I see a lot of hats this is what we want here at the UCB <laughs> Theater, right? All right. What else we want at the UCB Theater is another comedian visit uh, who, who just recently moved from New York. Uh, she is hilarious. You're going to really enjoy her. Please make a laugh for Kara Clank.
6: Hi, guys. Yeah, just moved here from New York, the rat capital of the world. That's been covered. Um... How's it going? Are you guys having a good night? Yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah, so I just moved here and uh, already meeting just like a ton of LA characters, right? Uh, you, I mean, you guys have, some, we have a lot of crazy in New York. You guys are a pretty good match. Uh, I did meet, I did meet the other day. I took yoga and my yoga teacher had fake tits. I was like, what? What? That's like, what? That's not your brand, what are you doing? You're supposed to teach me how to have like rock hard boobs from doing like Downward Dog, why are you? That's like teaching someone a voice lesson with auto-tune, like you're not allowed to cheat like that. I could just tell she did like an inversion and her two boobs were like namaste up here, like they did not go anywhere. (laughs) They were rock hard. I, and I like, I'm, I know everybody loves uh, New York-LA comparisons so I'm just going to go into some of that. Uh, here's the thing that I think is really funny. Uh, I lived in New York for 11 years in the exact same apartment the entire time. I never met my landlord. Never met him one time. Uh, in LA, I've been in a building for two months, and my building manager wants to be a part of my life. Like, she is constantly in my business. She's in everyone's business. She knows everything about everyone. Before I even... When I just went to look at the apartment, she was, like, gossiping about everyone in the building. Like, but... And I I love good gossip. I was like, tell me more. But then she was like, oh, and this girl drinks wine every night. I was like, give me your number. And then she was like, and she's dated every black guy in L.A. I was like, she sounds cool. Stop being racist. Why are you being an asshole? Uh, And then, so we... We're moving in. We decided to move in despite the fact that we were basically adopting a 60 year old woman. And she was like, uh, are you, you guys can have cats and do- a cat or a dog if you want. And I was like, Oh, no, we're not pet people. We're not going to have uh, any of those. And then she was like, Oh, I know that I said you could have a cat, but uh, we had a resident one time here who had a puma, and that's not OK. <laughs> And I was like, oh my, thank you so much because I swear signatures were almost going down on our Puma adoption. <laughs> you guys, there are so many Pumas that need a good home. Really. Like, I was like, we it's like we said we didn't have kids and she's like, your kid can't swim in the pool with a diaper on. Like, we're not going to have one. So stop giving us the rules. No Pumas. You're the worst. Um, yeah. So... I uh, I went to Vegas recently, guys. I uh, went to a bachelorette party because I wasn't getting enough email, so if you're ever feeling lonely, just sign up for a bachelorette. It's never-ending communications. Um, about pretty much nothing. Just a lot of like, yay, woo, can't wait. Like, that's, it's just that forever. Imagine your inbox is just filled with like emojis and like, woo, that's all it is. Um, so I went uh, and you know you go on these bachelorette parties and like you usually know like two or three people besides the bride maybe and then it's like a bunch of her lame friends from home or whatever and so we're all emailing about nothing a lot of woos are going around and then one girl is like um what hotel are we staying at like I I hadn't even met her I didn't know that that was what her voice would sound like but I was pretty sure um (laughs) she was like what hotel are we staying at and we were like um the Mirage I mean to me they're like they're all pretty much the same And she was like, is that where the Tigers are? Like the Tigers from Siegfried and Roy. And we were like, "Uh, yeah, they don't really perform anymore. Something happened. But I don't know if you heard. She was like, oh, well, I can't stay there. It's a moral issue. I I can't stay there. And she stayed at a different hotel from the other 10 of us. So I just want to recap for you guys. Las Vegas, just an endless parade of human atrocities. And she's just going to throw it all behind large cats. Right? There is a child prostitute in every hotel in Vegas, you guys. And she's just like, no, those cats are not being fed right. Like, I can't... I just... We went out to dinner, I just ordered a tiger burger. I just ate it slowly in front of her, and she was like, that's not a thing. And I was like, mm, I called ahead. (laughs) Siberian delicious oh I like the uh, I like the vibe you guys have going about weed out here in California it's pretty it's pretty chill you guys it's pretty good Um, I don't smoke like a ton of weed but I do it like I do like to do it here and there Um, there's no cops in the audience right you guys are cool all right is that even a thing? You you even get arrested in this state for weed? Like, especially even just for talking about it? I don't know. I feel like I'm willing to try. So I love to smoke it once in a while, but my husband is, like, one of these people who... Oh, my God, you guys. He thinks that, like, the NSA is, like, tapping his conversations about weed. Like, he's, he's one of these people that thinks it's, like, a felony to talk about weed. Like, so he uses... Hand gestures and facial expressions. You guys know anyone like that? Like, he'll be like, after this party, why don't we go home? We could, like, f-f-f-eh. I'm like, what is happening to your face? What are you doing? <laughs> he'll be like, we could, like, you know, f-f-eh-f-eh. and I'm like, oh, cool. And after that, are we gonna, like, huh? And then huh? And then huh? I just wanna get that my, my itinerary out of the way. Right up front. You know how it goes. Uh, I am married. It's pretty good, guys. Pretty fun. Uh, We share a calendar because we're real, we're really exciting people. Uh, We share a calendar. The other day, my husband puts uh, sex into our calendar. He puts it in at like 1130 at night on a Wednesday. I don't care about the planning, guys. That's fine with me. That's actually, that really scratches something in the OCD part of me. But, but he put it in the calendar for an hour. I was like, I, I don't have time for wishful scheduling. What are you talking about? So I just, like, zipped it up to 11.37, and I said, that's a hard out for me. <laughs> I don't know, where, where, wherever we are at 11.37, that's when I got to bounce. <laughs> promised myself this was the year I was going to watch The Wire, and I honor my commitments. <laughs> it's, like, hard out for me, and let's be honest, probably a soft out for you, so let's just, let's make it, let's... <laughs> Make it accurate. Uh, I, I'm like I'm kidding because honestly, seven minutes is like that's actually within the national average. I've looked it up, and it's fine. Like seven good minutes is fine. Who is telling everybody that sex is supposed to be like eight to nine hours of like humping and sweating and sheet twisting? Like that. Like it, it, that sounds painful. And tiring, and my hobbies are sleep and homeland, if you can't tell that about me. So, like, that's not interesting to me. But it's definitely movies and television, right? They're the ones telling us to do that, like TV, movies, the entertainment business. It's like, they're, they basically make you feel like if there's not a time lapse in your lovemaking, that you're basically fucking up, right? So, I get really annoyed at that, and then I started thinking even harder about what else annoys me about movie and TV sex stuff, and it is this. This is every time you see people having sex in a movie, guys. I'm not going to, like, imagine if I did, like, an act out right now. No. Uh, every time you see somebody having sex in a movie or a TV show, they're, like, you know, it's all gorgeous and, like, you know, sheets are covering every part of their bodies that aren't supposed to be shown. Relatable. Uh, and then when they're done, whoever rolls off of whoever and they just, like, chat for a few seconds and then they just go to sleep. So, like, no cleanup. We're not doing any cleanup? Is that, is that what's happening? Okay. All right. That's cool. Well, what are the options here? That guy wore a condom and he's just wearing that bad boy till morning, right? He's like, tomorrow's trash day. I'll take care of it later. Or maybe they're relying on her birth control. She's on the pill. That's only 99% effective. I'm the first person in the bathroom to just make sure that we're taking care of that 1%. You guys know what I mean? I just, whatever. I just want to see a realistic post-sex cleanup scene in a movie. I just want to see Olivia Wilde like teetering to the bathroom <laughs> being like, I'm going to go first. Do you have to go? I right, let me go first. Just clean up that spot. I'll be right back. You know, that's all I want. I'm going be so hot. Uh. <laughs> I'll leave you guys with one more thing. I, I, I do like the whole driving thing here in LA. That's really fun. I, I drove before, obviously. I'm not like uh, tr- just trying it for the first time. But I used to like rent cars and be in the middle of the country to like do stand-up and stuff. And I, I like to listen to the radio because I like to know what you know the young kids are listening to. I like Top 40 jams. I'm just going to come out and tell you that here at the UCB Cool Theater that I like Top 40 music. Okay, You guys can <laughs> do with that what you want. Uh, So I'm usually in the car driving, seeking, seeking, and like, I'll hear some song that's like, I'm in love with a boy, and I'm like, oh, what is this? Is this Ariana, is this Taylor? What do we got, what do we got? And then the next line will always be like, and he has risen. (laughs) Oh, Jesus radio, you guys. (laughs) They're sneaky. This is why Christianity is still a flourishing religion. Sick hooks. Really good. Like, I'm in the car shazamming, like popping and locking, and then I'm like, did they just say thorny crown? I'm out of here. I can't. I can't do this. Anyway, you guys have been super fun. I'm Kara Clank. Thank you so much.
3: Kara Clank, everybody. One more time there. Uh, I do think it was interesting that uh, Kara's preferred interval for sex is seven minutes, which is also the usual length of a stand-up set. So I think, like, once you are a comedian long enough, you're like, that's that's all I have to do. is like a good seven minutes and then they're they're not going to want any more, honestly. Like, I, I respond to lights now and it's like, clean it up, finish it up, stick to your tested material, don't riff, do not be riffing Right now. And it also makes me think, in conjunction with that, uh, what a nightmare, what a nightmare sting would be as a stand up comedian. Just these like three or four hour sets, and he's talking about the rainforest, and he's intentionally not getting to a punchline because he doesn't want the joke to climax, do something, it's too meaningful with him and the audience. And then he plays. Halftime of the NBA All-Star Game in 2016, which no one has ever asked for. <laughs> that that's one of the most amazing things to me. Just watching like LeBron James being like, oh, I gotta catch fields of gold. This is what's speaking <laughs> to my generation. We have this exciting NBA product, all these amazing athletes. How could we screw up the easiest all-star game in professional sports? Get sting out here. <laughs> Have him bring that weird, short Saudi Arabian guy who sings the melodies. Bring out Branford Marsalis, too. Give him a lot of time. Have him put the earpiece in. Sting. Halftime show. I fully expect ESPN's going to be like, yeah, we just got to bring in like Steve Miller for that exciting 2016 playoff music. Cavs, Warriors, the Joker. Here we go. Fly like an eagle. Try not to fall asleep after halftime's over. Okay. That's a lot of thoughts about Sting that I didn't really think I had, but it's not good. All right. You know who is good, though? You're a nice comedian. Yeah, this is, uh, this is not someone from New York, so this is going to be a little bit of L.A. Finally, finally, a comedian from Los Angeles, you guys. I thought you guys would be a little more excited about that. You're like, yeah, hometown. That's right. We love L.A. Uh, he has a great group called Liquid Feet, and on April 25th, you can see him at the Moth Grand Slam at the Echoplex. Please make it loud for Dave Child.
0: Hey, how's it going, everyone? Cool, all right. You've answered that question too often tonight. Uh, I had a weird occurrence happen. I don't know, let's say today. Um, Went to a CVS, and I saw this glint in the cashier's eyes, and she was like, ah, and I was like, finally getting recognized. She's like, yeah, oh. Oh, I know who you are. I know who you are. You were great in the (laughs) sandlot. And I was like, oh, no, that's not, that's not me. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. You're killing me, Smalls. I'm like, no, no, it's not, it's not me, Bambino, no. Truffle Shuffle. That's a different kid! (laughs) That's a different movie! Different kid, Truffle Shuffle. Just going through the 90s fat kids. I'll hit it eventually. I've always looked like that kid from the Sandlot too. Just always. I've grown up right alongside him and I've been so close to him so often I once had, when I was a kid, I had this, in Boy Scout camp, this kid came up to me and said, you look like the kid from The Big Green, his big movie that just came out. Kid from The Big Green. And I was like, yeah, I get that a lot. He's like, no, that's okay, I'm his cousin. And then walked away. And I was like, no wait, I got questions. <laughs> and just like, I think like two months ago, I saw him drive by on Franklin. He lives in this neighborhood. Adult him, lot skinnier than me now, looks better. I just want to touch him, I just want to touch him and end the universe. I feel like that's, I've lived in his shadow. I, I was a chubby kid, I was a husky teenager, and now I'm a fat adult, and that's fine. I like it. If there are any husky teenagers listening, or in the audience, let me tell you, it may not get better. (laughs) But it will for sure get worse for everyone else. You're not, it's okay. (laughs) The the good thing is I could walk into, um, I could walk, I could see everyone from my previous life. I'm forgetting the name of what it is when you meet people again. All right. Reunion, thank you. (laughs) Fuck. I'm in trouble. I could walk into a reunion and I see people and they see me, and no one says, well, No one could look at me and say like, well, things didn't get worse for him. At least he doesn't smell like ham anymore. (laughs) That's a bonus. Let me tell you a story about Husky Teenage Dave Child. That's my name. Um, Just so people know. Uh, I was not afraid of women or girls as much as I was afraid to ask them to do stuff with me. So there was a dance coming up. It was a big homecoming dance. And I'm like, this is it. I'm going to get a dance for the homecoming. It's going to be great. We're going to have such a fun time. I'm going to go to the mall and pick one up. I'm going to pick a girl up. Go to the mall pick a girl up. That's what you do. So I went to the mall. And I found her. She was beautiful. She was skinny. She was in Spencer's Gifts. She was a cardboard cutout of Sarah Michelle Gellar. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was like, this will be my date to homecoming. So I bought her. I decided to dress up, so I wanted a top hat and cape. I know, real fancy. I didn't feel like I was cool enough to go into the store with the top hats, So I asked my mom to go into Hot Topic (laughs) to buy me a top hat. She did, and I wore it, and I was like, okay, I want to make sure if I'm going to this dance by myself, I want to really go by myself. So I printed out a picture of my face, and I pasted it over Sarah Michelle Gellar's face. I called her Davina. (laughs) She was my date to homecoming. And I walked into homecoming and I wasn't very sure how this was gonna go down. (laughs) I didn't want Davina broken in half and I didn't want myself broken in half. (laughs) And I walked in, I had this moment where all the jocks were dancing. (laughs) All the jocks were dancing like this and they looked over and were like, What
1: are you (laughs) saying? That's no
0: human. Bambino which is what they called me Bambino prot. Paper Girl Let me look closer and they would come closer and I would be like excuse me she's with me and none of you can dance with her and then there was a huge applause. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's not done yet. That wasn't, just shut up. <laughs> so over the course of the night, I danced with Davina, and I got the uh, teachers to be like, you guys are dancing too close. And I'm like, sorry, it's love. <laughs> and it was great. I was having a fun time doing real dirty moves <laughs> with Sarah Michelle together but the night wasn't over because they had to call the homecoming court who will be king and queen (laughs) I should add at this time I had a giant crush on a girl named Katie who was like dating the captain of the track team I think he ran ahead of everyone or he was the fastest runner I don't know but he was the captain of it (laughs) and he brought her to the dance So when they called the homecoming queen, they called up Katie. And I was like, there's my crush. She deserves the crown because she is a queen to me. Good for you, beautiful woman. So then they decided to call the homecoming king and it was me. So the best moment of my high school career came when I handed my date to her date. I was like, you keep an eye on her. I'm going to dance with the queen. All right, that ended weird. So I'm going to end on an impersonation. You guys like impersonations? Musical impersonations? Okay. so can I get a, a 90s theme song of any sort? Any 90s theme song? Hey, by the bell. Okay, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm gonna go Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Can I get a singer-songwriter? Any singer-songwriter? Okay, I Tom Waits. Alright. So this is an odd one, but I'll try it. This is uh, Tom Waits singing the uh, theme song to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> I said, I said, I should, oh, I watched for a deathly, I'm born and raised. the playground is where I spend most of my days. I took in a relaxing, relaxing, cool. and all will go. I took and saw outside by the school with a couple of guys who are up to no good. I shouldn't make a trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She's moving on the auntie, no good Bel Air. I wish it for a camp. and would have come near. The license had it fresh and there was dice in the beer. If anything I can say to this cab is rare, but I forget it. No, 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 no. I said, I said, I said, I I said, I Thanks, I'm Dave
3: Child. Dave Child, everybody! You can see him at the Moth Grand Slam of the Eggpucks on April 26th and also in West Philadelphia. Fanning some guys. Uh, Dave apparently was a real Lothario in high school. I, uh, well, let me tell you, I was a dumb kid growing up, I, I didn't know a lot of swears. Until I was way too old for them. I had like a summit in sixth grade with a friend of mine who had divorced parents. So I had to go over all the swears. And he was like, oh, you're so far behind, Sean. You have no idea. You have no idea. And that was tough because when I was in middle school, the the most popular t-shirt you could wear as a sixth grader was something called a Big Johnson t-shirt. And remember the Big Johnson t-shirts? Yeah. Big Johnson t shirts were fake ads for a product that were really just bragging about how big your dick was. Because what is middle school about, right? <laughs> Except just packing the heat every single day. As <laughs> you come down to uh, earth science class, just bringing big old Johnson into class every day. Uh, a typical Big Johnson t shirt, if you guys are some of your young people, you don't know this, uh, it'd be like a fake, it'd be like Big Johnson baseball bats. You always know you're holding the, the good wood when you're swinging a Big Johnson. And I'm like, great, right? Uh, I actually didn't know that Johnson meant penis when I was 11 years <laughs> old. So the whole line of t-shirts was really confusing to me. I'm like, well, okay. Big Johnson makes baseball bats. But they also make carpet cleaners. And they have a casino where there's liquor in the front and poker in the rear. Like, these are not complimentary businesses. Like, they're (laughs) devoting a lot of resources to things that don't help each other. And then, you know, like a year later, I was like, they were big penis shirts the whole time. Oh, my God! (laughs) So I was always on, my, on, on, my, on the watch. I was always on edge for this. So um, when I got to college, I went to college in Northern California. Uh, kids from L.A. would wear T-shirts from one of their favorite fast food restaurants. Had not moved out of the L.A. area yet. A little place called In-N-Out Burger. And the first time I saw an In-N-Out Burger T-shirt, I was like, all right. I get it. <laughs> sexual intercourse burger. All right, I see that. Are you wearing that to class? College is going to be a cool open time. of some freaks here at AP Biology. No. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't think that much about it until midway through my freshman year. Uh, the girl I had a crush on across the hall, uh, Jenny, had a car for the weekend, and she asked me if I wanted to go to In-N-Out Burger with her. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. And I I quickly was like, I've never been to In-N-Out Burger before. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. And she was like, no, that's cool. This will be great. And so we get in her car, and the whole trip, she is talking up In-N-Out Burger like you wouldn't believe. She is like, Sean, In-N-Out Burger is going to change your life. I'm like, I hope it does. I could really, that's exactly the kind of change I could use in my life. She says, we got to go off the menu in In In-N-Out Burger. I'm like, okay. All right. And then she says, we got to get it animal style. I'm like, ah, I don't even know what that is. But sign me up for animal style. Whatever that is, animal style, I'm in. And then we pulled up in uh, Pinole, California. And uh, I saw that it was a burger restaurant. And I still have never been so disappointed in my entire life. as the moment when I saw the sign. And the drive through and uh, much like a lot of people's first time at Internet Burger, uh, I finished really fast. I did. Uh, But the only consolation is, at least she wasn't really into Five Guys. You know, that would have been a very different (laughs) college experience all the time. Alright, are you guys ready for your your next comedian? Yeah? 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 All right, this is fantastic. Uh, Your next comedian, she's visiting from New York. Uh, She wrote for the great Netflix show, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Please make a laugh for Austin.
2: Thank you! Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, awesome. So I just, uh, I came back from India. I was in India for a month. Um, and I will say, like, right before I, I went to India, um, I had just become very woke. Um, I don't know if you guys know what that term is. Um, It's a Twitter term. Uh, It's called hashtag stay woke. Um, Basically, the history of it is just like, it's mostly from black Twitter, where a lot of black people have become like very socially aware from things like Flint, Michigan, and the lead crisis, and like uh, Eric Garner, and things like that. So every time you're just like super aware of things that are going on, you're like, stay woke, hashtag stay woke. And I just become like super woke, and like a part of being woke is that you just like hate America. You're just like, America's garbage. Look at what they're, like the corporations are running everything. And then you just like never go to sleep because you're just like always awake because you're so mad. And I was just like so woke right before I went to India. I just like fucking hated America. I was like, I can't wait to go to India, bro. Literally two weeks in India and I was like, God bless America. Thank god, I'm America, I'm American, India is so poor, oh my god, it's brutal, India is so poor, it is so brutal, um, guys, just be like, we're very lucky we're American, if you're not American in this room, um, I'm sorry, uh, it's a really great privilege, um, my husband is Indian, um, we went to India to meet his family, um, I found my husband on Tinder, um, which I realize is like saying I found my doctor on Carfax it's like not a place that you go to like meet a person um, that you might marry um, but we did we, we somehow got together it's a miracle and uh, he's really great um, my husband is a very, like, he's very, he's a hippie. You know, he's like an Indian hippie. <laughs> uh, he introduced me to shrooms for the first time. Um, I'd never done shrooms before. He, like, really set the stage when we were doing shrooms, because he wanted me to have a nice trip, which I don't even know what that means. But, turns out, you could have, like, a really bad trip. Um, so he, like, put on, you know, he, like, turned the lights down nice. He, like, brought snacks in. He put on, uh, Pink Floyd. Uh, if you've never heard Pink Floyd before, guys, they are amazing amazing um you should totally check them out uh i've never heard them before because i'm a black person and i was like um uh, guys this is so good like these guys should be huge oh my god um So check them out. Um, I did shrooms. When I was on shrooms, um, I noticed that, like, I've always had issues hearing out of my left ear, um, just for, I don't know why, I've just always had issues hearing out of my left ear. And while I was on shrooms listening to Pink Floyd, my ear popped, and now I can hear perfectly fine out of my left ear. Um, which is a medical miracle. <laughs> but I'm also kind of like, wait a minute, my whole life, has my brain just been judging my music choices? <laughs> like, this whole time, has my brain just, like, been hearing me rock out to Iggy Azalea and just been like, nah, I'm going to stay closed <laughs> for your whole life uh, because of this. Um, I did this joke about shrooms in New York City in a, in a bar, and this old black lady in the back of the bar was like, Boo! I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Is it me or is it only an old black lady who would have enough confidence to boo you and then tell you why? Like, like, I honestly feel like old black ladies are the freest people in society. They can literally do whatever they want. <laughs> like, I feel like they've seen their way through the matrix, and they're just like, mm, I can fucking slap the shit out of you. <laughs> you can't do anything to me because I've endured a lot of shit, and it's true. And I can't wait to be an old black lady. Um, she fucking booed me. Uh, my husband also took me to a fish concert. Um, If you're a black person in the room, they are just like four old white guys that just like rock out and white people love them and people do a lot of drugs at their shows. There was one other black girl at the fish show. Um, We literally like, just like looked up at the same time, saw each other, reached our hands out and we're just like, see me. Um, And then I never saw her again. And (laughs) that was the black girl at the fish show. Um, I'll tell you guys a a bit about myself. People used to make fun of me a lot when I was uh, growing up. People used to say, Charlotte, you talk white. You're an Oreo. You're white on the inside and black on the outside. Um, It used to really hurt my feelings, but recently it's become really ironic because I was diagnosed with a gluten allergy, um, which is literally the whitest ailment on the planet. I'm literally white on the inside now. I've been eating a lot of local foods. Um, It's like my stomach's been gentrified. It's like a gay couple raising an Asian baby moved into my stomach and is forcing me to eat kale. Um, I lost like uh, 20 pounds when I became uh, gluten allergic. Um, That doesn't matter, I just wanted you guys to know that become so thin Um, I feel I have been trying to lose weight uh, recently I really it's been really difficult I feel like um, instead of calling it dieting they should just call it what it really is they should just call it change who you are completely Um, because that's what you have to do to lose any weight whatsoever I am the kind of person that puts in and out like in my calendar just because I like know I'm going to want that Um, so I don't know how easy it's going to be for me to lose weight um what do I want to tell you guys? I went to Nashville recently to uh, do some stand up which was kill. That was sick. Kill. Um I was really excited to go to Nashville cuz um I heard they have like a re- like really great live music, but I was also kind of nervous to go to Nashville because I heard that they're very conservative there and like a lot of my jokes are about chicken and dicks and slavery Um, so I was like I don't know how they're going to receive me there Um, and to make matters worse I literally had to buy the plan B pill like the moment I landed in Nashville Um, so I'm rolling up into the CVS in Nashville and I'm like scoping out where the plan B is and I can't find it so I have to go up to the pharmacist and I'm like excuse me, can you please tell me where the Plan B pill is? And the pharmacist is like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, you could please just like lower your voice and um, tell me where the Plan B pill is. Um, And she's like, Plan B pill! And yes, I am totally making up this accent. Um, (laughs) I think everyone in Nashville is crazy. Um, She's like... What, isn't it by the sex stuff? And I'm just like, no, nope, it's not. And please don't call it that, because you're a pharmacist, so say something professional. <laughs> she's like, all right, I'll, she had to call, she literally like goes on the loudspeaker and she's like, Ashley, where's the Plan B pill? Um, I am making up her voice, but I am not making up how like fragrant she is about <laughs> just like putting my business out there. Um, and then Ashley replies, "It's right up here." And it turned out that the Plan B pill in Nashville, Tennessee was all the way at the front of the store just next to candy. <laughs> and I just I bought it with the Snickers. And I was like, "This is this is amazing. I wonder what it's like to buy the Plan B pill in Harlem where I live." So when I got home, I went to the CVS in Harlem, and in Harlem, New York City, the Plan B pill is all the way at the back of the store, locked in a glass case, and in order to get it, you have to press this huge red button that says, Help! (laughs) Abort, abort! And then, like 10 minutes later, some 16 year old douchebag named Jaquan rolls up and he's like, What y'all need? Plan B? And by y'all, he's referring to the line of hoes that's just like accumulated, waiting desperately for the Plan B pill. And he just chucks them out. That's what it's like to get Plan B pill in New York City. Uh, the first uh, week I was out here, um, I was at a show. And, you know, New York and L.A. like has some sort of rivalry, which I think is mostly just, like, New York-based. <laughs> like, no one in L.A. cares about it. Um, everyone, like, New York's like, we're better! Um, and L.A. is just like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so, I, like, the first week I came out to L.A., I did a show, and, like, some, like, random old white guy was just like, do you want to do some blow like after the show and I was like do y- do y- are you asking me to do cocaine <laughs> and he's like yeah and I'm like well what do you expect me to do for it and he's like nothing I just want to party and I was just like seriously people in LA are the nicest people <laughs> I've ever met like what are they even talking about over there thank you guys I'm Charla.
3: driving Lawrence and everybody! Uh, you can also check out her great web series, which is called Clench and Release, if you like what you just heard. I love that she fixed an inner ear problem, taking shrooms. The last time I took shrooms, I freaked out about getting sunburned, uh, covered myself in sunscreen, and then laid down on a bunch of mud in a riverbank for an hour and a half... <laughs> Terrifying boaters who came by and were like, What's what's wrong with them? And I'm like, UV you, protection is cumulative. That was it. That was what I did. on Truth. And, I, and I get but unfortunately my hearing was very good, so I could hear all of their what? No. Never do drugs, kids. What's happening? Alright. Uh, you were down to your last performer. Are you guys ready for your headline for the show? Uh Guy from New York here in Los Angeles. He is so funny. He's a writer for Inside Amy Schumer. Please make a lap for Mike Lawrence.
7: I just want to dedicate my set to uh, the section that's reserved for my parents' approval. Uh, <laughs> How's it going, guys? Um, Who's excited about this election? Clap if you're excited. Anybody? Okay, fair enough. All right. Okay, second question. Who the fuck is terrified? Who is scared and terrified and realizing that we have to go to comedy shows now because laughter might be illegal in a couple of months? (laughs) On the laugh camps. Uh, it's crazy. I wanted to get weirder. Like, I hope it comes down to Trump and Sanders. I really do. Because that'll be the closest we ever get to seeing two wizards cast spells at each other. <laughs> I love Bernie. He's awesome. He always looks like he's teaching science outside of a college that just fired him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta learn about plate tectonics. Don't trust the textbooks. They're full of lies. THE BOOK IT PROGRAM WAS DESIGNED BY PIZZA HUT TO RUIN OUR BODIES AND OUR MINDS! <laughs> I MEAN, HE'S NOT, he's not A WIN, I'm, a, I'M GONNA VOTE FOR HILLARY, I'M NOT EXCITED ABOUT IT, I'M GONNA DO IT. I'M GONNA VOTE FOR HILLARY WITH THE SAME EXCITEMENT I GET WHEN I EAT FROZEN YOGURT BECAUSE THE ICE CREAM STORE IS CLOSED, LIKE, I'M GONNA VOTE FOR HER WITH THE SAME PASSION I GET WHEN I TELL MY STEPDAD I LOVE HIM. <laughs> For you guys, because uh, the alternative is, is terrifying, right? Like, like, like Trump. Like, he, the only purpose he serves is he lets you know which of your family members you don't have to acknowledge anymore. Because uh, Cruz, that's the creepy motherfucker. That's the evil guy with the scientifically proven punchable face. Like the only candidate that ever talked himself out of a sex scandal because you know there's five other women that wouldn't fuck him. Like it's that face right he always looks like he's smelling a fart but is clearly the one who farted (laughs) he looks like if Mrs. Doubtfire put man makeup on top of the Mrs. Doubtfire makeup (laughs) it's crazy people always say that things are getting better in this country it's the best that it's ever been no it's not, here's something, cops what do we think of cops now, what's the main stereotype of cops, they shoot innocent people and get away with it right, what was it before that they were fat and loved donuts like what the fuck now it's, he was running at me, I had to shoot him 40 times in self defense before it was, did someone say sprinkles officer fat fuck (laughs) Man, and the TV's getting shittier fucking Fuller House they brought Full House back I don't know why they wouldn't see it it's so uncomfortable the whole show feels like Kim Jong Un captured the cast of Full House and forced them to act out scripts that he had written himself but they haven't properly gone through Google Translate yet like he's like cut it out say the catchphrase say how wrong. No one wanted Full House back on the air. That's the thing with nostalgia. You just won the life you originally had when it was on. You know you what know, my favorite part of watching Full House was? When I was eating a meal that I didn't have to pay for in a body that hadn't fallen apart yet. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an angry nerd. I get super emotional about shit. I'm going to tell you, uh, I got married uh, recently. I have a Green Lantern wedding ring. Which is easy to do when you tell your wife it's $50 on Etsy and she's Jewish. Uh, <laughs> but this is the, the thing. This is, you know when I proposed to my wife? I proposed to my wife the week after they announced Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. Because I was like, all right, that's, that's it. The longest relationship I've ever had is done. Like, that was like Batman saying to me, go out into the real world now. And when she hurts you, I'll be back for you. (laughs) Because I get so emotional. The last time I cried, I cried, I cried. I haven't cried in years, and I should cry every fucking day. I'm from South Florida. I worked at a McDonald's for seven and a half years, and I have the face and body of someone who's already buried three wives, okay? (laughs) I should be fucking weeping, all right? The last time I cried was when... uh, Deadpool came out. I fucking just bawled during Deadpool, like tears of joy. Like, because I never thought I'd get to see Ryan Reynolds be good in a comic book movie in my lifetime. I didn't think that was possible. Like, I cried during that movie the way that old black ladies cried when Obama became president. It's like, never in my lifetime. <laughs> we survived Green Lantern, we survived Wolverine Origins. <laughs> I said I was from Florida so you can understand why I thought it was okay to try that voice. Um <laughs> and It's crazy like I see these movies now. I saw Batman for Superman, anyone see it? Yeah. That was the best review ever. Uh, like, you just sounded like Master P on the 20th take, like make him say, "Mananana." Uh, just put fucking diamonds on the cover. It's fine. <laughs> It's terrible, right? They made a Batman and Superman movie for people who used to beat the shit out of me for reading Batman and Superman comics. <laughs> Why do they have capes? Oh, Doyle rules, right? It's the fucking worst. The only movie that's good for like, the only people that's good for is Children of Divorce. That movie's the perfect movie for a child of divorce because it's your two favorite people you love growing up, and now they're fighting, and it's not your fault. <laughs> And as a nerd, like, people say it's cool to be a nerd now. No, it's not. It's all this fake nerd shit. Like, this is what bothers me. You'll watch, like, a nerdy girl in a porn, and she always takes the glasses off halfway through and can see perfectly fine. That's bullshit. The dick should be hitting her forehead a bunch, you know? And then, and then she'll put them back on. She's like, come on, my glasses. No, a real nerdy girl would be like, no, these are prescription. <laughs> I, uh, I love that I'm saying a lot of hateful things and wearing a Grinch t-shirt. I just realized that. And I ate two pints of Ben and Jerry's today, so my heart is actually growing three sizes as we speak. I just, yeah, I've had a shitty life. I grew up poor. You want to know, know what the best thing about being poor is? You're never attacked in horror movies. It's true. Freddy Krueger never attacks poor people because their dreams are too sad for him to invade. There's just some guy sitting around going, "One of these days, I'm gonna be assistant manager of this Waffle House."
1: <laughs>
7: and Freddy Cougar's like, "I can't kill what's already dead."
1: <laughs>
7: there you guys, are this, uh, I fucking the world changes so fast too. You know, you know what's weird that happened to me recently? My mom, my mom got breast implants. That's, <laughs> That is is not a motherly hug. That is a weird, uncomfortable... The first... When you hug your mom with the fake tits, it's a weird hug. Like, I'm trying to come in. They're pushing me away. Like, and I'm hugging her, and she's like, how how do they feel? I'm like, it feels like the $10,000 you should have put into my college fund. That's what it feels like. (laughs) And she was like, are you mad at me for getting these? I'm like, I'm not mad at you, mom. I'm just disappointed in you. And the same way you were disappointed with me when I came home with D's instead of A's. Uh, and look, I know that's a corny joke, but it's my mom's tits. Like, how hard in do you expect me to go on those things, okay? I'm not my stepdad. Alright. It's so weird knowing that he's motorboating something made with motorboat parts. Like that's so bizarre to me. Thank you so much, guys. Uh,
3: Lawrence everybody (laughs) and that is our show here at Put Your Hands Together how about a hand for Mike Lawrence Charla Lauriston, Dave Child, Jared Logan, Kara Clank, Matt Ruby, I'm Sean Keen Uh, check out the show download the podcast, thank you for coming, good night Put Put Put
6: your hands together, put your hands together Put your hands together Put your hands together
1: Put your hands together Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to laugh with your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap with your hands together. Put your hands together.